Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Hey, Alyssa, here's a fun fact. Okay. Not a single state that has banned abortion offers paid parental leave. Who'd have thunk it? Us. I know. <laughs> wow. Got to put on my thinking cap to figure out why that might be. Hmm. So this episode, Alyssa, as they say, runs the gamut. It's the best. It's the best of us. We love running the gamut. We've got shoes special for running the gamut. <laughs> um, we we talk about a wild court ruling out of Alabama that could have nationwide implications for anybody who wants to use IVF. So much. So bad. Absolutely crazy. Uh, we finally got to interview Representative Judy Chu. She's been on our list for a long time. She's a great advocate. She is a wonderful representation of Southern California, and I live very close to her district, and I'm sad I don't live inside of her district. I know. We talk a little bit about the Year of the Dragon. Talk a little about the Year of the Dragon. And then, uh, Alyssa, we also get into some kind of, I don't know, girly stuff. Oh, we talk about online shopping. We talk about dating apps. There is, like we said, the gambit. <laughs> yes, the gambit. But the online shopping and dating apps conversation, to be fair, is about how technology very slowly... Is ruining everything. Is ruining everything and sucks our will to live as it tries to extract more and more profit from people. Yeah. How much it sucks. That. Um, and we also, Alyssa, you had a really fun interview this week. Fun interview with June Diane Raphael. We talk about comedy. We talk about acting. We talk about reality television. Amazing. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who would never vote for Nikki Haley, but deeply appreciate her lighted on fire era. <laughs> I love it. I, I want to stick so around. I am so here for it. She is... Like, like the thing is, she's got self-awareness. Like, she knows this is sort of a kamikaze mission, but mm-hmm. she is going fully scorched earth before she spends every last dime she has. Absolutely. I, you know, again, would never vote for her, but I almost feel like she's on a Nicole Wallace trajectory 
<laughs> like, like, you know, Nicole Wallace worked for George W. Bush, somebody who I had absolutely nothing in common with politically and still have very little in common with politically, but has become this person who like everyone's like, yeah, Nicole Wallace. She's anyway. So, yeah, uh, Nikki Haley, you've got a show on MSNBC in your future. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe a nice movie. And maybe a nice movie. We'll see. Um, I, I just, I really, I really appreciate the fact that she's like, I'm not afraid of this guy. I don't care. And then the tr- the Trump team is like, she's going to come around. And I truly don't think she's going to come around. No, no. I think this is it. Yeah, I, I did have, you know, we've talked about it on this show, the Veep Stakes, which is a portmanteau I hate. But we talked a little bit about Donald Trump and who he might choose to be his vice president and versus who he might lead to believe could be his vice president yeah, and good he'll point. like he'll like convince them that they might be a pick for him that person will debase themselves fully trying to suck up to him and then not get picked he's got like, a whole bushel of them right now i mean at least stefanic he he gave a, a short stefanic vivek i mean gnome they're all circling vivek is on his list he gave a short list at a rally this week and stefanic was not on it and have we not been saying from she's the beginning She's not working that, hard enough. It's not that she's wor- not working hard enough. It's that Donald Trump doesn't have any use for women who don't look like they should be contestants in a Miss Universe pageant. Good he, point. And, th- and that's the reason that he misses out on so much female potential. Not that Elise Stefanik is someone I'm dying to see on the vice presidential ticket. I just think she's a lot smarter than some of the other people that are on that list. And yeah. Donald Trump is a misogynist. And, you know, but, you know, whatever. You Play stupid games, win stupid prizes, Elise. Um, Okay. (laughs) This is a story. The more I read about it, the more I'm angry but also confused. Yes. Okay. So in the words of 30 Rocks, Dr. Leos Pachemin, medicine is whatever you want it to be. (laughs) Or at least it is when you're a judge or lawyer who knows fuck all about the mechanics of human reproduction but is attempting to make laws governing human reproduction anyway. In Alabama, the Supreme Court of Alabama ruled that frozen embryos are children Mm. for the purposes of criminal liability. So that means, Alyssa, Mm. if I'm driving down a road in Alabama and I see a car teetering off a cliff and there is a two-year-old in one seat and a tray of frozen embryos in the other seat, I am morally obligated to save the tray of frozen embryos because I have saved more children, right? Yes. Legally. Yes, that is what they've done. Um, sorry, Braxton. You're going <laughs> off the cliff. I Fuck. figured that is a yeah. I mean, look, it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous precedent. It's a ridiculous argument. I'm gonna read a little quick and dirty write-up of the case from the Washington Post because it sounds silly as I'm explaining it, and I'm only making it slightly sillier than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Post writes, the Alabama case focused on whether a patient who mistakenly dropped and destroyed other couples' frozen embryos could be held liable in a wrongful death lawsuit. Pause. Why was another patient of an IVF clinic— Literally thought it was a typo. Back, —in the back carrying around trays of other people's embryos? Why are the patients Sus. back there? It makes what? no sense. This did is this, crazy. Did like, this happen? Like, is this another like? 
is this another like web like homophobic webmaster situation who's like hypothetically an imaginary gay person might ask me to design a wedding website for them and the Supreme Court was like yes yes hypothetically you've been hypothetically harmed and therefore we're going to make a ruling based around that this doesn't sound like a real thing that happened this actually sounds to me Aaron like if you were a lawyer you'd talk to the patient you'd be like should we actually bring this lawsuit? Because now we have to cop to the fact that there was a patient where they shouldn't be. There was a patient among, amidst the embryos. It what? seems like a lot of things were overlooked in an effort to bring this case forward. Or, I mean, I don't know. This just, it doesn't, mm, this is like not connecting like many of the plot elements of True Detective season four for me. <laughs> you not had thoughts on that. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 going to let it go and I'm going to move forward into okay. my life in, from a place of peace because I've already got enough on my mind. But okay, okay, so going back to the Washington Post write-up, the court ruled that the patient could be held liable. So the patient that dropped the tray of frozen embryos who was yep. for some reason back in the IKEA display area of the embryo clinic the court wrote that it had long held that, quote, unborn children are children, and that was also true for frozen embryos, affording the for fertilized eggs the same protection as babies under the wrongful death of a minor act. It applies to all children born and unborn without limitation, the court wrote. It is not the role of the court to craft a new limitation based on our own view of what is or is not wise public policy. That is especially true, whereas here the people of this state have adopted a constitutional amendment directly aimed at stopping courts from excluding unborn life from legal protection. Fucking Alabama. Fucking Alabama, man. Like, oh my God. But it gets a little wilder, doesn't it? Yes, it gets a little wilder. Um, in a concurring opinion that echoed that view, but drew criticism, Alabama Supreme Court Chief Justice Tom Parker quoted the Bible as he examined the, quote, sanctity of unborn life. Nothing creepier than a pro-life old man or, holding that. Or quoting Nothing. the Bible in court. In a court <laughs> ruling. Medicine is not what you want it to be, Chief Justice Tom Parker, you fucking creep. He wrote, human life cannot be wrongfully destroyed without incurring the wrath of holy God, who views the destruction of his image as an affront to himself. Okay, first of all, God is not a man. The idea of Christian God is just taking the whole concept of woman, rewriting it, making it slightly shittier and make less sense and being like, no, it was a dude. No. <laughs> Even before birth, all human beings bear the image of God and their lives cannot be destroyed without effacing his glory. Dude, have you heard of miscarriage? Have you heard of the fact that about up to half of fertilized eggs are discarded by the female body? Just because she takes a look, you know, the little uterus takes a look. And is like, this is never going to become a baby. Discards it. Spontaneous yeah. abortion. Mm. Miscarriage. A third to half of all IVF fertilized eggs, embryos, are non-viable and will never be viable. No amount of science, magic, abracadabra, gobbledygook that you write in a goddamn court ruling can undo that fact. But do you think, Aaron, that... Ye, Judge Justice Tom Parker, is who we should bring gun control legislation in front of? No. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If if lives cannot be destroyed without effacing his glory, riddle me that. Yeah. Uh, death penalty. What's going on, guys? Come on. Where are we at? For What's everybody involved. Everybody involved. Gun manufacturers. Everybody. And so these couples, these three couples who, 
in the, again, the weirdest story of all time, somehow had another patient at the clinic drop their embryos and destroy them. These three couples that are suing over the destruction of their embryos um, could have actually endangered access to IVF for ever, definitely totally. everybody in the state of, of Alabama and possibly people in the rest of the country. Um, we've we've kind of sort of touched on IVF here, but I, I think that a lot of people who are making laws and proclamations around IVF don't really understand, like, how it works. Mm. You, think, um, you think people are swimming in the deep end without a flotation device, Erin? I feel like I just I wish that I wish that there was some kind of giant audacity vacuum where I could suck up all the extra excess audacity from people who don't know what they're talking about trying to make laws around human reproduction. IVF is a really awful process. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't gone through it personally, but I know so many people who have. Me too. It is physically demanding. It is emotionally taxing. It is expensive. It's expensive. And in a lot of cases, it's heartbreaking because IVF gives you the advantage over like, a, a, I'm going to, in quotes, natural conception because it uh, it gives you the chance to pre-screen embryos for genetic abnormalities mm -hmm. before they're implanted into the uterus and thus theoretically increase the chance that the embryo will be like Viable will turn mm -hmm. into a, a, a vi you know a, a viable child, but the problem with that is that in order for the pregnancy to hold, a lot of times the pregnant person needs to have a bunch of shots, right. be in a bunch of hormones, and sometimes it just doesn't doesn't work. So it, it and it and it it's its failure rate is when I first read about the failure rate of IVF, I was kind of astonished because mm -hmm. of how expensive it is. Um, you're basically buying a chance. You're buying a, right. a chance to have a child. And the fact that there is a new wave of anti-abortion laws that are targeting parents that just want to have a chance is like, well, it's so cruel. Well, because Aaron, as we've talked about, this turns everything. It's like America can't have nice things, right? We find a way through science to help people who want to have kids be able to have kids. And now... In theory, I have not been through it, but you and I have talked about it. If you go through and you take your eggs to be frozen, you want to get as many as you can. When you fertilize the end, as we've talked about, they survive better if they have been fertilized. So if they're embryos versus frozen eggs. Exactly. And so the best outcome is that you have a lot of eggs and you can fertilize them and you have a lot of frozen embryos. In this instance, with this law... That is not a good thing because, mm -hmm. in theory, what happens then if you choose to implant two embryos, hoping for one or two babies, well, the rest of them, what do you do with? Do you have to, uh, under this this new law, do you have to uh, adopt them? Do you have yeah. to do you, do you have, have to, to pay to store them? They're what do you expensive. Do? do you have to pay to store them forever? If 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 there's a failure of power or something, you assume that these places have loads of backup generators. There's and the embryos get destroyed. What is that? Like, who's mm -hmm. responsible? Who gets charged under this law? This is some dangerous, whack-ass shit. It's dangerous, whack-ass shit. And I think let's go a little further and think about who uses IVF Yep. and why anti-choice uh, abortion, anti-abortion zealots would be so comfortable targeting it. People who use IVF tend to be uh, L the LGBTQ community, first mm -hmm. of all. If mm -hmm. uh, there are two... Uh, 
women who want to have a child together, there's, you know, that's one way to— Single moms, by choice, people who want to go about being moms on their own without a man. Um, Older moms, Mm -hmm. people who put off parenthood for one reason or another. And, Alyssa, (laughs) this one I don't think they're doing on purpose, but cancer patients— Cancer patients. Can you if imagine? You are, yeah, in the state of California, if you have uh, if you have cancer, this your your uh, insurance is actually required to like cover the cost of IVF before which you is start. In, which is an incredible benefit. Which is an incredible benefit. But but that's the thing. That's a thing that a lot of cancer patients before they start treatment will have like as many eggs harvested as possible. And then if they're married or partnered, they'll have them fertilized before they're frozen so that they have a better chance of one day becoming a I know two women for whom that was the case. I do too. I know two women who had to have eggs retrieved, embryos frozen, and both of them are now mothers because of IVF. Yep, mine too. So so this is who those laws target. I mean, it's pretty obvious that these people don't want women to wait to have kids. They don't mm-hmm. want the, they don't want us to have lives before we have children. Um, they don't want LGBTQ people to have children. Yep. They don't want women who are successful and single who have decided to go do parenthood alone to mm-hmm. have the option to have children this way. Um, and yeah, like let's beat up on the cancer patients while we're at it because they do need to be taken down a couple notches. Right. If, being because, honest, if anybody does. Because really, is this what they want to do? They want to Someone has cancer, they retrieve their eggs, fertilize embryos, they have one or two implanted, they have some extras left over, and they're like, dear cancer survivor, now we're coming for you again. Like, that is pathological. I thought you fuckers were worried about the birth rate. Are you worried about the birth rate or not? They are such chaos, they don't know what they're worried about, except Christian they're 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 they really want to bring us back to a time that no longer exists by force. Yep. And it is and and you know IVF isn't something that's accessible to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think that's important to to acknowledge. Of but course. It is still something that is becoming more accessible as more insurance companies cover it and as more workplaces and like there's more programs to access IVF. Um it's really ridiculous that they're defi- they're defining a fertilized embryo as the same thing as a human child. And, you know, it'd be one thing if this was just like an isolated, wacky incident. I mean, it would be tragic for the people of Alabama. Oh, no. Um, But it's not an isolated, wacky incident because this has always been part of the playbook post-Roe v. Wade moving forward for a specific fringe element of the anti-abortion movement. Mm -hmm. And just uh, after Alabama Supreme Court made this ruling, a anti-abortion advocacy group in Florida tried to use the case that the Alabama Supreme Court ruled on in front of the Florida Supreme Court, arguing that uh, an amendment to the state constitution that would guarantee access to abortion should not be uh, allowed to be on the ballot this fall in Florida. Like Aaron. Yeah. They tell on themselves— over and over and over again. And they're added in Kansas. They are added in Kansas. There's a new bill in Kansas that's kind of been flying under the radar um, that wants to allow pregnant people to start accessing child support immediately after conception, therefore putting fetal personhood into state law. Okay. Right. Sneaky as fuck. Yeah. And, you know, they tried something like this in Wisconsin. And Mm -hmm. Alyssa, the, the night of and the days after 
Ohio's uh, issue one passed. Yep. There were a lot of conservative pundits who were like, uh, we got to do something. We got to do something to come out in favor of parents. And their dumbass suggestion was that they offer child support payments to pregnant people. Yep. Never once, never once, never, never once have they been like, you know what? Why don't we offer like extra child care subsidies? Why don't we offer paid parental leave? Why don't we... No, what they want to do is redefine fetuses, blastocysts, right. embryos as children for the purposes of obtaining child support. And which I actually, I support pregnant people yes. being given child support, but not because those are children, but because they have additional medical needs. Correct. And they, and this is just their jiggery pokery to be like, see, people like it at first blush. If you're not reading the fine print, it sounds humane, right? That you can access extra benefits when you're pregnant. Right. But that's not what they're doing. Right. They should make it about the condition of the mother, not the status right. of whether or not the fetus is a human or not. Like, that's right. stupid, and we see what you're doing, and don't fucking gaslight us. We know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're not helping anybody. You're hurting people. And this is eventually going to lead to people, and it has led to, people being arrested, investigated, and even imprisoned for miscarriages. Yep. Which, another another group of people in addition to cancer patients that need to be taken down a few notches. Women experiencing miscarriage. Trauma. They are so high on their horse. They're having such a great—no, it is like one of the worst experiences that a person can have in their life. Even if it's, you know, even if it's not a pregnancy that you even knew about, experiencing miscarriage is horrible. And under laws that define a fetus or an embryo as a person, somebody experiencing a routine miscarriage could find themselves the subject of an investigation into how culpable they were for a miscarriage. Right, exactly. Women who have miscarriages already fucking blame themselves. And it right. is almost never their fault. And now— Given all this, can can someone who wants to investigate a miscarriage go back and demand to know what you ate, demand mm -hmm. to know if you exercised? Like, like it is the most inv invasive and disgusting uh, move. Move. When yeah. we didn't think they could get lower, they can. We should never sleep on it. Mm -mm. No, because these assholes will never stop. We never get to stop. And no. it sucks, but that's just the way things are. Um, okay, Alyssa, there was a, uh, there was a ProPublica piece this week. I don't want to spend too much time dwelling on it, but there was a ProPublica <sighs> piece that everybody should read, read. and it, it was about the on-the-ground impact of an mm -hmm. abortion ban. ProPublica, which everybody should support. Yep. They, they're not a paid advertiser, nor no. should they be. They should spend their money on journalism. Mm -hmm. ProPublica, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, ProPublica spent a year documenting the life of Mayron Hollis, a Tennessee mother who wanted to terminate her high-risk pregnancy. By the way, Alyssa, her high-risk pregnancy was that the embryo had implanted in, in scar tissue from yes. a C-section. And when that happens, as the embryo matures— you run the risk of your body exploding. Totally. Basically. I couldn't. Aaron, reading this, I started reading it last night, and I'm like, I actually can't read this before bed. Like, mm -hmm. this is so catastrophic. And when I read it this morning, it, if people are feeling apathetic about 2024, you have to read this article. It, it is the reason that we have to stay like alert and active. And what happened to Myron was 
literally like among the cruelest of situations that I could possibly imagine. Like mm-hmm. she has this medical emergency. She's about to die. The doctor's telling her how quickly someone can actually bleed out. She starts to bleed out. Her husband slips on the amount of blood that she has uh, bled out. And she has a baby three months early who then requires medical care, of course, in the NICU, not near their home. No one is helping her. She couldn't Mm -hmm. get the abortion she wanted. And her life has been so horrifically and severely impacted by the the by the choice the state denied her that it was i really i really just think everyone who listens to our podcast should read the whole article because it it is why everybody has to get out and vote for Joe Biden in the fall mhm i i think it's also here's something i've been seeing that's been kind of annoying hmm Donald Trump favors a national abortion ban. Yeah, let's get into it. A lot of uh, abortions that take place past 16 weeks, which is the line that mm-hmm. he's suggesting, which is fucking arbitrary. If you talk to any healthcare providers, they're like, it makes no sense. 16 is a number he pulled out of his lardy ass <laughs> and like decided because voters think, think it's okay, that's what medicine is. Bullshit. A lot of abortions that take place after 16 weeks take place because of medical concerns or risks to the health and life of a mother or uh, non-viability of the fetus or severe issues that the fetus would have after birth. I've seen a lot of talk where that's like, yeah, well, you know, Republican mistresses will still be able to get their abortions if there's a, if a national ban. No, no. Right. There's too many of them. That's the thing. There's two billionaire mistresses will be able to get abortions. People who can fly down to Mexico for a weekend who are not in any kind of state of medical distress. Because in a lot of cases, if you're like after 16 weeks and need an abortion, you're not going to be able to like hop on a plane and go somewhere where it's legal. You are not going to be able to access abortion care if there is a national ban. I don't, unless you are literally a billionaire's mistress. I hate the the I hate the discourse that's like, yeah, well, rich people are still going to get them. No, they're not. Rich people in Texas aren't getting them. Like no. they're you're not actually. And and maybe a few very lucky uh people who are able and willing to take huge risks will be able to get them, but uh we can't count on that. Your privilege won't protect you. No. Your blue state residency won't protect you. Um your if your wealth won't, won't protect you. Unless it's, like, exceptional. But even then, your wealth can't prevent you from having a medical emergency that makes it impossible for you to travel to a place where you can safely access abortion care. Doctors are not going to risk 99 years imprisonment and six-figure fines and a loss of their medical license to help a rich person. Like, there is no way that you can make it worth their while. There is no way. Right. And this is coming for you. As financially catastrophic as it is for the medical provider, also what the ProPublica article took us down the rabbit hole of is this was a family that was largely living paycheck to paycheck. They had some savings. This decimated their savings, put them $40,000 in credit card debt, destroyed the the credit rating that they had worked so hard to build up. And stress their relationship to the point that two people who are both recovering from substance abuse fell back into it. And Mm -hmm. every single twist and turn of this story was more uh, stark 
than the one before it. And cruelty is the point, I guess, Aaron. It's it's really, really awful. And here's the thing. If in the fall, Joe Biden isn't reelected, if we lose the Senate, which map doesn't look good. We're no. optimistic. We're optimistic. And I think the last couple cycles have been uh, a little bit disproportionately doom and gloom about Democrats, especially 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... If we if we lose the White House, like this is this is a realistic thing that can yes. be coming down the pike, and you know we're going to be having a lot of conversations hetero men who have sex with women. Um, there's there are going to be a lot of women who are going to maybe re- maybe expect you to have a vasectomy. Maybe I would. expect you like it's it's going to be it's going permanent birth control is going to be something that more people are doing. I don't understand what the end what what is what is the point of this? Like what your conservatives complain about the birth rate mm-hmm. and then make having children a fucking nightmare at every step of the way. I don't understand what 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 do they think is going to be the end result of this? What sit me down and explain step by step how this leads to a better future for this country for anybody. Forcing people well, who are on the margins already to push themselves into desperation. How, how, what, what's the point? Who knows, Aaron? <sighs> I guess only that rich white people procreate. Yeah, but here's the thing. We are the least likely to not be able to access abortion. And I say we. I'm not rich. I don't no, even I own know, my house. I don't you even know own a house. But uh, ri- people who are privileged and have access to information, education, and access to resources and know where to look and know who to ask um, are the ones who in Texas are still accessing abortion. They're still traveling out of state. Right. They're still they're still figuring out a way to get it done. Uh, you know who's not? Like teenagers. Mm-hmm. Te- teenagers are not figuring out how to have— Is that what you, you want to— country? You're trying— What they're trying to do is force this sort of— I hate it's, it's overdone. Handmaid's Tale references are overdone, but I can't not make that reference because it's you know the it's most apt. <laughs> it's apt. What they're trying to do is is force the quote unquote right people to have children, but what they're doing is creating a population of people that are more likely to need government services while right. cutting government services without question. It's it it's look galaxy brain. Too early in the morning to wrap my head around the scope of their galaxy brain. Um, Alyssa, what? Let's, let's talk about uh, books. Let's talk about— Books? You want to talk, talk about, about some books? Let's talk about books. What's what's going on West with the books? West Virginia. Is it good? Girl, oh, what you doing? What you doing? Aaron, the West Virginia House just passed a bill that would let people prosecute schools, museums, and public libraries for, quote-unquote, obscenity. Obscenity. How do they define obscenity? They know it when they see it, Aaron. They know it when they see it. So obscenity, so like if I were to pick up a book, like say the Bible, Mm -hmm. and there's a chapter in there about how Lot's daughters got him drunk and raped him so Mm -hmm. that they could have— not that, that kind obscene? of a no, Erin. Oh. That's the Bible, okay. girl. That's not okay. obscenity. Come on okay. now. No. All right. Uh, the the Lorax. Okay. The Does Giving the Lorax Tree. 
Wait, does the Lorax fuck in that book? I didn't think he fucked. No, but there are just, there are subversive messages, Aaron. There are subversive messages. Dendrophilia, he speaks for the trees. That's code for he fucks the trees. Obviously. So currently those places are actually exempt from being criminally liable for obscenity. But Republicans sponsoring the bill, they want to change that, claiming that this will help protect children from inappropriate materials. Again, the giving tree. The giving tree does have a huge cock, though. Ugh. So I don't remember uh, it. I remember being a kid and being like, look, the human body is beautiful, but why does that tree have such a huge cock? I mean, Aaron, like, look, they, they keep saying the Virginia GOP, oh, they want to ban books and woke reading materials that they claim are bad for kids, when in reality, the GOP is just racist and homophobic. And I just want to flag that under the current state code, for a work to be considered obscene matter, it must be lacking in literary, scientific, artistic, or political value in a whole. Okay. All right. You know, I, I feel Seems like— straightforward. I feel like out of all the problems facing West Virginia, the kids are reading too many books is not one of them. I am going to agree with you on that one. And I think that, like, Aaron, this is just a matter of them wanting to add as much ambiguity. Let's call it the equivalent of the— uh, abortion and, you know, for for the life of the mother or in case of rape, which we all know is a fake exception. Yeah. They just want to add more ambiguity, making it way easier to scare the shit out of librarians and teacher and make them so incredibly risk averse that they're nervous saying one plus one equals two. That's what no. they're trying to do here. That's it. Uh, they've got a limited time. Here's the thing. I think mm-hmm. Christian nationalists in this country have a limited time before, before too many of their voters die for them to ever have power again. They're already a minority. They're already cl- they're already using every dirty trick in the book to cling to the power that they have gotten in a dirty way. Um, and there is a there is a finite amount of time where, as their most ardent voters age and die off. There's no future for them. The right. only way for them to have a future is for them to really, you know, go for the brass ring right now. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing them attempt to to make it, you know, enshrined it in constitutions that embryos are children. We're seeing them try to criminalize libraries. They're trying to make it as hard as possible for the next generation, which is coming, coming fast, to undo the damage that they've done. They're trying to do as much damage as possible right now because they know their time is limited. They don't have that much time left. I know that's an optimistic. Whew, is it that optimistic is, to be like a lot of people? I don't know. I feel they're breeding them, Aaron. They're breeding them. I don't think. I mean, I, I, I know that we've had some kind of troubling stats about young men being conservative mm-hmm. about feminism, but that doesn't really translate to voting patterns. And so I right. just, I, I don't think. I think that they know that they just have a very limited time left where it's even going to be feasible for them to grab power. And they're just trying to do as much damage as possible right now. Well, they're arsonists. Conversely, people with not much time left do seem to have a lot of time on their hands. Because in addition to that, Aaron, they have decided that we need a whole new uh, book fair for schools. I don't know about you. I grew up with the Scholastic Book Fair. It was my favorite time of year. If you were lucky, you, you eked out 10, 15 bucks from your parents to be able to 
go to the book fair. Right. So are they doing, there's a new book fair. Is it called the book unfair? Is, is fair too close to DEI initiatives? Oh, don't you worry. It's called oh. Sky Tree Book Fairs. Sounds benevolent, but it's not. Um, the company website says that they formed Skytree Book Fair as a school choice alternative to the sexually explicit content distributed in scholastic book fairs. Huh. Aaron, it feels a bit like a money-making opportunity piggybacking on laws like the one they're trying to pass in West Virginia, where they're like, oh, we're going to scare the shit out of school librarians and teachers about talking about anything that we could frame as dodgy or sexually explicit or woke or whatever it is they want to do. But now we're going to go make some dollar dollar bills and have our own book fair that sells the Bible. <laughs> That is, I'm sorry. That that's very that's very stupid. A conservative book. I don't understand. I don't know. Yeah. Are they going to have like an alt? Remember Goosebumps books? I think maybe yeah. they were like they were they were young for me, but I remember when they came out. They're going to have alt Goosebumps books that are supposed to be scary, but in a conservative way. And every single book is about a gay person being nice to them. Imagine what Skytree <laughs> books would do to Nancy Drew. <laughs> that. <laughs> Feminist bra burner. Nancy Drew hears a swear. Oh no, Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew walks past a satanic monument in the Ooh. Iowa State Capitol. What would they do when Ramona Quimby was going through her tomboy phase? I don't know. But do you remember how people freaked out about the film Turning Red because it alluded to the existence of periods? Yikes, periods, something that happens. These people are the most terrified babies imaginable. Um, but here's the good news. Kids mm -hmm. don't think school is cool at all anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> so I don't think that they're going to be like, oh, the school doesn't think scholastic book fairs are cool, so I guess I better listen to them because I always follow them. I mean, if you and I were both in middle school, wouldn't we just Google the list of banned books and order them from Amazon and then be the renegades uh, by our lockers being like, listen. I would have started a club. Read the we, Lorax. <laughs> I would have I would have drawn like one letter for each of the, you you know, I would have come up with the name of the club, <laughs> Bad Readers Club or something, and then I would have made a sign for it with one page of spiral notebook paper per letter, and I would have stuck it to the side of the school, and we would have met during recess, and we yes, probably would have gotten would've. in trouble. We probably would have gotten in trouble, and I would have cried because I never got in trouble. We, I never got in trouble, not a little bit of trouble, but honestly, you and I would have been such trouble together in high school. We would have, we would have been starting... <laughs> Starting like intellectual positivity clubs, and <laughs> it would have been it would have been stupid. We would have been it'd been like if Lisa Simpson was multiplied by two and formed a street gang. That would have been that would have been us. <laughs> but we would have thrived. We would have absolutely thrived. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, an interview with Congresswoman Judy Chu. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who just know that the year of the dragon is going to be their year. Uh, what year were you born in, Alyssa? 76, year of the dragon, baby. Oh! I'm ready for it. I'm ready oh. for it. I was year of the pig. You know, I tried looking it up online. I was like, what years were we? But I couldn't tell. You were on the cusp. Yeah, I'm, I'm pig. You're pig. the pig. Generosity. <laughs> Generosity and perhaps... 
too much generosity. There is no one less year of the dragon than me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you've got your own you've got your own power. <laughs> Our guest today is a congresswoman from Southern California representing the district that covers Pasadena and the San Gabriel Valley. I could actually probably throw a frisbee from my house and hit her district. I am so close to her district, so, so close. When she was elected to the position in 2009, she became the first Chinese-American woman in Congress. Congresswoman Judy Chu, welcome to Hysteria. Oh, thank you for having me. We are so glad you're here. How have this month's Lunar New Year celebrations been for you? Well, it was um, very joyous, but also very um, poignant because uh, it was the one-year anniversary of the Monarch Park shooting. So we had a lot of reflection going on. And um, yet, it was so wonderful to see the crowds out there because uh, people were getting back to what they should be doing, which is um, being with each other and with the community. Mm -hmm. We were just in Alhambra last weekend celebrating, and it was really, there were so many people out. It was really cool to see. Um, what does the Year of the Dragon bring? Can you let our listeners know what it, what it means and, and why people sometimes get extra excited for Years of the Dragon? Well, the dragon represents power, strength, and courage. And so I just hope that imparts to everybody that they have their own power, strength, and courage to do what they need to do to make this world a better place. Mm -hmm. Congresswoman, you mentioned the tragedy almost exactly a year ago when the shooting in Monterey Park killed 11 people and injured nine um, right in the middle of Lunar New Year. Do you think that we will ever get some reasonable gun control in this country? Are you optimistic? This is my fervent hope. Uh, of course, I was very much for uh, measures that would improve gun safety and reduce gun violence uh, ever since I got to Congress. But the shootings in Monterey Park brought it so close to home. This shooter had... Um, uh, a high-capacity magazine, which he attached to his semi-automatic pistols. And uh, so one thing is very, very clear. We need a ban on assault weapons and on high-capacity magazines, which is what allowed him to kill uh, 11 people in, in just a matter of minutes. Um, but we have that plus so many other common-sense things that should be done. For instance, truly universal background checks where we close the loopholes. Um, we need to be able to um, close the loopholes that allow the uh, Charleston killer to just get a gun despite the fact that um, he shouldn't have been qualified. But the three days passed, there wasn't a background check, and so they just gave the gun to him anyway. So it's things like that that we can do that will save lives and that will move this country forward. Uh, we clearly won't be able to get something passed during this time period when the House is controlled by Republicans. Uh, they are so much against any kind of gun safety measure. And in fact, they actually want to expand it. Um, they want to expand the access to guns and have um, uh, concealed carry uh, go across all states. Uh, but I am confident that once we are able to get uh, the House and keep the Senate and keep the presidency, that we will do what we need to do, and that is make this a safer place for all of us. We are just sick and tired of this time period where mass shootings are so commonplace. They're almost happening every day. Mm -hmm. Congresswoman, last week, 
um, the mother of Ethan Crumbly in Michigan was held accountable for um, her son's mass shooting. Do you think convictions like that will help deter uh, mass shootings? And do you think that they'll help further push legislation? I do think that uh, she should have been held responsible because she could see that her son was deteriorating and yet she participated in obtaining uh, a gun. uh, And uh, she has responsibility for his actions as the parent of uh, a minor. So yeah, she should have um, looked more carefully and known that uh, her actions would have terrible, terrible consequences. Mm Mm-hmm. Congresswoman, you have been a longtime advocate for reproductive rights. You've also got a Ph.D. in psychology, which is very cool. Uh, Trump just endorsed a national abortion ban, and some states are trying to declare that frozen embryos are the same thing as human children. Can you make sense of why the far right is so bent on taking away bodily autonomy? Like, overturning Roe wasn't enough. Where are they going to stop? So they are catering to their base. Uh, There is a minority in this country that is against women making decisions over their own bodies. They would like to take us back to the Stone Age when uh, your body was not your own. And in fact, your body is just a vessel for carrying babies. Um, Mm -hmm. But actually, the majority of Americans are for reproductive freedom. And that includes Republicans and independents. All we have to do is to look at the states where um, abortion bans were were blocked or where abortion rights were upheld. And these are really conservative states. In fact, um, I look at Kansas, I look at Ohio, but particularly I look at Kentucky, which is one of the top 10 reddest states in the nation, and yet they were able to block this abortion ban. So the Republicans speak to their base, but we always must remember that that base is very small, loud, Mm -hmm. but small, and that Mm -hmm. the majority of Americans want to make sure that women have the ability to make decisions over the future of their bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the base is small, but a lot of them seem to be federal judges, don't they? (laughs) Um, (laughs) You've you've been working on the Women's Health Protection Act for over a decade, which is now seen as a comprehensive response to the overturn of Roe v. Wade. How would this legislation safeguard reproductive rights, and what needs to happen in order for it to pass? So the Women's Health Protection Act is something that I've introduced since 2013, and it was because we could see the day where this would happen. We also saw that states were chipping away at Roe versus Wade by uh, passing laws that would erode the ability for a woman to make those choices over her own body. And uh, they were dictating the width of clinic doors and saying that doctors had to have admitting privileges uh, at certain hospitals when it was not necessary. Uh, So the Women's Health Protection Act would restore Roe versus Wade as the law of the land. And Mm -hmm. it would prevent states from chipping away at that freedom uh, by saying that states could not do such things, pass such laws to uh, take away that freedom. And Mm -hmm. I must tell you, this is the most supported abortion bill in the history of Congress. When we were in control of the House, we did have votes on it, and it passed overwhelmingly 
with Democratic votes. It passed out of the House twice and, in fact, is the most supported pro-abortion bill in the history of Congress. Mm -hmm. So all we need to do is keep the Senate and keep the White House and flip the House, and then we got it. That is right. Well, there is another thing (laughs) we need to do, which is to uh, take away the filibuster, at least for this. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, the majority of senators are for the Women's Health Protection Act, but the problem Mm -hmm. is this filibuster, which requires 60 votes. So a supermajority controls the Senate. That means that uh, a minority has outsized power to stop anything. So I believe that it's time for the filibuster to go. That's what stopped it the last time. We have to remove it uh, for this vote in order to get it passed. Mm-hmm. Congresswoman, we love the work you've been doing to help the 48 million family caregivers in this country, especially with the Connecting Caregivers to Medicare Act. Could you tell us more about how the legislation would help caregivers? And is it true that it is bipartisan and bicameral? This bill addresses such a common sense issue that no wonder it is bicameral and also bipartisan. It gives caregivers the ability to have information on the persons that they are caring for uh, if they are in Medicare. I mean, look how much responsibility caregivers have. They have the life of that uh, elderly person in their hands. And without easy access to their information, they are blocked from properly being able to care for that person. Now, um, actually, caregivers have the ability to do it now, but most caregivers don't know about it. So Mm -hmm. this bill would also mandate that um, caregivers are given the information that everybody's given the information there's that there's a concerted outreach effort to make sure that caregivers sign up for this privilege. Hmm. And finally, let's go back to your local work. How <laughs> is the San Gabriel Valley doing these days? And are there any spots in SGV or Pasadena that you suggest LA-based folks check out? Well, um, one thing I'm very, very excited about is the San Gabriel Mountains. And, um, you know, it was in 2014 when uh, I was able to get uh, President Obama to declare the San Gabriel Mountains a national monument. It was a tremendous step forward because the San Gabriel Mountains are so beautiful and people go up there to hike, to uh, fish, to uh, camp, uh, to have picnics and to just experience fresh air. But the San Gabriel Mountains were in bad need of resources. And so that's why we uh, got President Obama to declare it a national monument. So that was great. However, he it turns out that he declared three-fourths of it uh, a monument. So 300,000 acres were declared the monument, but the western region of the mountains was not. And so now we have a campaign to get President Biden to declare the remaining 100,000 acres a national monument. And we believe that'll be a big boost to getting the resources that those mountains need. So clearly that is something that I would recommend people go check out the San Gabriel Mountains. Uh, There are so many beautiful things to see up there. 
Mm-hmm. They are absolutely gorgeous. If you're in L.A., you can skip the Walk of Fame, head to the mountains. I think they're much better anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Congresswoman Judy Chu, thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun and happy new year. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh, yeah. You've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. 
joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is, like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Everybody has heard that dating apps are bad now. <laughs> this is funny. This is, I mean, it's not funny because I feel bad for people that are trying to meet somebody right now. It seems like it's, it seems like technology did what technology does, which was take something that sort of worked, break it, and invent a worse version of the thing that they broke. So now yeah. we're stuck with like a it's less right. good version of what already existed. Um, dating apps. Uh, Cupid had a bad Valentine's Day this year because... On his special day, six dating app users filed a class action lawsuit accusing Match Group, which owns Tinder, Hinge, etc. That I didn't realize there was like big dating. I didn't like either. A, I didn't realize there was like a monopoly-ish. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's like Comcast um, <laughs> of using predatory business models to intentionally uh, employ psychologically manipulative features to ensure users remain on the app perpetually as a paying subscriber. Uh, the suit also accuses Match of violating its consumer protection laws. Um, and then the lawsuit said uh, it, it uses addictive game-like features which lock users into a perpetual pay-to-play loop that prioritizes corporate profits over its marketing promises and customers' relationship goals. Hmm. That sounds right. That sounds right. I'm going to say I met my husband on a dating app, but it was in the year of our Lord 2018. Um and I think uh, things have gone downhill since. You know, I had one experience with a dating app, Match.com. Mm -hmm. um, it was not positive. Uh, I do believe I wasn't using it right and probably <laughs> could have used some of these boosters they're talking about. Right, right. Because I got – I did it with a friend. And this is uh, the year of our Lord, 2005. Six, mm -hmm. maybe. That was when they first came out. That was when people were still using Friendster. It was the beta. It was like, Friendster right. It was like the up. beta. But yeah. there, back then, there was this thing where, like, you put your profile up and you would get a wink if someone thought you were cute. 
And I checked in with my girlfriend and I was like, Anita, what am I going to do? I'm like, I'm, she called me and she's like, how many winks did you get? And I was like, what? I was like, oh, it looks like I got one. And she went silent. And I was like, why? How many did you get? She's like, 25. And that was the day I went to the bathroom and cried in the United States Senate. And I came back <laughs> and my boss was like, oh, Alyssa. Oh, are you kidding? I was like, this was not what I needed on the heels of a traumatic breakup. And oh. my boss came back. Uh, I come back uh, the next morning and there's a card on my chair from the man who was known as the 101st senator. This he was. He, this is not a man going out and buying cards, but he bought me a card with a cat winking, and he just wrote inside, "The only wink you need." Oh, that's that's kind of sweet. It um, was totally sweet, but um, I I feel like I am someone who, if I were 10 years uh, or 15 years younger and was on the apps in a very formative stage of my life, I'd 100% be boosting my profile and using these bells and whistles that they're selling yeah. as ancillary add-ons. Exactly. Well, it didn't used to be that way. Like Mm-mm. when I, I only had like a couple periods of my life when I was on apps. And I remember one was like, a short period of time in 2013, and then again in, like, 2018. Mm-hmm. And I um, had noticed a huge, like, drop in what you actually got in 2018. Right. Like, there were these, uh, you could pay to, like, get it boosted, and, and then you could also pay to be, like, a super user, a super swipe. And, like, are there all these things that were very gamified? Um, but they also— it. It kind of is, fits into the whole like inshitification thing. Yeah. Like something starts and it's kind of usable, and you're like, okay, I kind of like this. And then it gets worse and worse and worse as they try to skim and scrape more profits from people. And I've seen a lot of consternation on social media from people who are trying to meet somebody, somebody nice uh, on dating apps, and they're finding like on Hinge that they have to pay extra money for anybody to even see them. And it's just uh, it also I've I've heard that there are so many men, more men than women on dating apps because so many women have left dating apps because men are so awful. Right. Um, that there are entire uh, there there there's a kind of shadow operation on some dating apps where it's basically like troll farm employees pretend to be women. <gasps> On the dating apps to keep the men that are using the dating apps, disproportionate number of men. Right. They keep them, they think that there's more women than there actually are. That's but you, bonkers. Yeah, dudes, you might be chatting with like, uh, you know, 30-year-old guy in the Philippines who, Fuck. you know, when he's, when he's not doing this, he's leaving reviews on Amazon products. You know, like it's, it's, it's like you can't. You can't trust the reality no. of the dating app. I, I mean, that makes so much sense, but it never would have occurred to me that that's a thing. I know. That's. I think we're living in an age where people are slowly realizing how much of our reality exists online. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, how easy it is to manipulate that reality. Yeah. And it's it's a little bit unmooring to be like, oh, shit. How much of what I think is real is actually something that was paid to be manipulated by bots, by fake accounts pretending to be women who are flirting with me? To you know, it's it's very it's very strange, and um, I really hope that there's like another answer for uh, dating apps or something better that comes along because I think people who sincerely want companionship should have yeah. a way to find it and. Um, if you want to be by yourself, be by yourself. But if you want companionship, why isn't technology actually helping you find it? Right. That's stupid. What's the point of technology if we can't use it to, like, become physically closer in ways that make us better? I don't understand. I agree. I guess the, I guess the point's to make money, isn't it? Bummer. 
Yeah. Capitalism, huh? Capitalism. I know, right? 2024, year of layoffs. Oh, speaking of capitalism. Oh, okay. I love and hate this story. I I felt urgently like we needed to talk about it when I saw this. And it was a couple weeks ago, and then I forgot about it, and then I thought about it again, and I was like, oh, no. This was this is just kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like when I was younger, you would go there was a there was a thing where you would go to a store and you'd buy something and then you'd wear it and then you'd take it back. <laughs> that I, is, by the way, that's the lawful good version of the thing. Right. There's also the thing where you steal it from the store and, and then, then try to it. return it. To me, yeah. that is, I mean, you are a brave bitch if you I are never did that. No, that. I never. No, I, never I don't mean that. you. I don't mean you. You and I are that both, is, look, we're badasses. We're also very honest and legal. <laughs> <laughs> I so cannot tell a lie. That was no, not I, I, something I was doing. But I knew somebody who had one of those like egg, or not egg, uh, ink tag removers. <gasps> so she no. could steal clothes. Yes. She bought one like from some bootleg place. And so she would remove the ink tag, wear the clothes, put it back on, and then return it. And because it had an ink tag, the store would be like, okay, and like give her money. Fuck. I know. That is crazy. And Obviously, never. But now, people are cracking down, Aaron. Shopaholics everywhere are in for a rude awakening because the high of returning that expensive jacket you just wanted to try on to get your money back is about to end. Online retailers who have built in free returns into their business are beginning to rethink their strategy and implementing lifetime shopping bans to supporters they decide have returned too much. Now I was what? I was curious about this, but then there was an example given, which is one woman, Nora, an attorney, who found out she was banned from ASOS in 2021 and I think was confused. However, she had made 172 purchases and had returned 99%. Okay. That was going to trigger some shit because you know she had like an account. She wasn't doing it from different email addresses. She she was an ASOS premium subscriber, whatever their like right. extra thing is where you get free shipping. So they do make it really easy. Free shipping and free returns is like part of the program. So you pay like a little bit. I think it's like $19.99. I don't know. I haven't shopped at ASOS in a long time. Um, but for the over the it's course like of Amazon the year. It's like Amazon Prime. Exactly. You get free shipping and free returns and it's like super easy. They make it really easy. So like why even have the program if you can't use the program? They should just say But anyway, also so this was in the cut and we'll link it in, yeah. in show notes, but some of the people who ha- got lifetime bans I'm kind of like, "Oh, that that person shouldn't have been Banned, you it know, seems like, very arbitrary because, like, what's the threshold? Do you know what I mean? If you're going to do a lifetime ban, you have to be like, if you return more than, it should be. Um, I like a real step system. It should be uh-huh. like, if you return more than thirty percent of what you buy, you are no longer able to participate in the free shipping or something. You need a warning mm-hmm. sign. Do you know what I right. mean? Right. You have thirty days where you don't get the free shipping anymore. Here's a here's something that's like kind of disturbing to me. So, like. You know, my body is just going absolutely bonkers right now right. because I'm because I'm pregnant. I have no idea how it's going to be shaped when I'm all done. I don't know what what's what type of clothes I am going to wear. Totally. Like after after I had my first baby, I wasn't like I I lost my pregnancy weight, but mm-hmm. my shape was right. weird for like a year, and I didn't know what brands look good on me and what sizes look good on me. So if I was going to order clothes, first of all, I don't want to go to stores. Who wants to go to a store? Right. First of all, there aren't really that many stores anymore. And everything at the stores are like low quality and been tried on a ton. And like, 
I, I don't really, that's not really something that I really want to do because the store shopping experience isn't what it used to be. Right. Um, and I don't know what size I wear. So I would order things in like three different sizes being like, I think it might mm-hmm. be here. Or like I, I would order something from a new brand and not know how the brand fit me. And so I, and like, if I do that now, like, am I going to get banned? Maybe I should only do that from stores where I'm like, I would actually be okay if I got banned from this store. I mean, I do think though, your example is like, if a store saw that you ordered three sizes and returned two or returned all three, they'd be like, oh, it didn't fit. I feel like there's like, again, they need to make it clear. But I feel like if you're buying an expensive jacket and it mysteriously is returned 21 days later, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's a flag. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I've never done that, though. I've never, like, bought something fancy and then worn it a bunch and returned it. There's a couple. There are a couple people who got lifetime bands who were, like, stylists. And I didn't realize this, but, like, stylists buy things. Yeah. They buy things, do photo shoots with them, and then return them. (gasps) Oh, that's not right. Yeah. Isn't that that in that—isn't that what Rent the Runway is for? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I feel as though, you know, talk about in shittification. Yeah. Stores closed down uh, because it was expensive to have that much inventory in stock. And so people were driven to shop online. Online, sh- it, it kind of like was a cycle that fed itself. Right. So like there are fewer stores, so fewer people shop. And so more people shop online and so more stores close and so more people shop online. Um, but now we're getting to a point where, like, the appeal of shopping online, which is that you can, like, try things on in the privacy of your home, return things that don't fit, and, you know, no harm, no foul. Uh, now we're going to be stuck in a future where everything is, like, a little worse than it was before. Yeah. Just like with dating apps. It's like, okay. That's so really now, like, sort of the theme of this week's episode. <laughs> everything's getting worse. Shittification. <laughs> no, but, like, there's – the thing is there's going to be something new that comes in, or they, we have to believe that there'll be something new that comes in that is marginally an improvement over the way things currently are. Right. We just don't know what that thing is yet. So if you're out there and you're inventing things, send us an email. (laughs) Invent something better. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I, I, uh, if online shopping goes away, I'm just not going to wear clothes anymore. Or I'm just going to wear what I have. Just going to wear what I have until I'm wearing like rags held together with Safety pins. This seven-year-old tissue tea has been doing all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, an interview between Alyssa and June Diane Raphael. Ooh. What are you guys going to talk about? It's a little sassy. We talk about acting. We talk about comedy. We talk about sister wives. Ooh. Can't wait. So stick around. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. This week's guest is a comedian, author, actress, my favorite sister on Grace and Frankie, host of one of my favorite podcasts, The Deep Dive. She's got a new movie coming out called Scrambled and will be on tour in February with her show, How Did This Get Made? It's June Diane Raphael. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. Welcome I'm so to Hysteria. To be here. You're a polymath. I am exhausted <laughs> by your intro. You know, I um, oh gosh, I'm so. I well, thank you. As I'm really sad right now. I'm ha- so happy to be Why? here, but so sad because I have, and I hate when people talk about being sick. But I, I have a sore throat, and it started yesterday, and here it is Wait. today. But I was like, you know what? I really wanted to be here, but I'm just going to name that um, my, the, I have a sore throat. You know, there's nothing to, there's no way around it. But here I am, and again, mentally quite fine. Here, you, Well, here's the thing. So I know an absurd amount about you because you're one of my favorites. Oh, God bless so you. So can we, I love an origin story. How, can we tell listeners how you got into comedy? When did you know you were funny? Oh, God. I, um... Oh, well, I I don't know that I'm funny, but I um, but here's what I know. Well, no, but here's what I do know that I okay. had I grew up in you know, an Irish family, Catholic family. Although that's a whole other origin story about what I've just recently found out, which is that well, that that's a whole 23 and me story, but I oh. that was our identity and so there was a lot of um there was a premium put on like storytelling and being able to make our parents laugh and being able to make each other laugh. Now, I didn't know that that was like a, a career. I don't know. I just knew that that was my mom would my mom at our kitchen table would have us crying, laughing stories really? about what happened at her school that day and just and my dad this is why, like, I I grew up in such an egalitarian sort of world and Barbie world where, you know, my mom would make my dad laugh so hard he'd be doubled over. And so then, like, when I got into the real world and was like, oh, every improv team is I'm the only woman on. You know, it was so shocking because it was like I grew up and thought, like, oh, girls are funny and we make men laugh, <laughs> you know, and— <laughs> And we're also, like, the top ten of our class. And our soccer team in high school is is state champion. Like, so it mm-hmm. just was, like, actually quite shocking for me to enter into the world. And um, I felt very much so like Barbie. But, yeah, so I just, I think my family definitely put a premium mm-hmm. on making each other laugh. And then I just always found women to be very funny. My girlfriends right. growing up, you know, I just like, I it was just baked into the DNA of my life. 
And so Mm -hmm. it wasn't a realization much as just like, oh, that's that's how you relate. And but then when I got to college and started studying acting, I knew I wanted to be an actor. And I met Casey Wilson, one of my dearest Mm -hmm. friends in a clown class, you know, with red noses. (laughs) And we I she made me laugh so hard. And she's so funny. She's so goddamn funny. And so I then, when we started, like, working together after NYU, and honestly, the only reason we did that was because um, I was like, how do we get an agent? And maybe if we do scenes and, like, make a showcase, they'll come and see it. But Mm -hmm. what we found was, and Casey was much further along in, like, the comedy world in terms of she was already taking classes at the Upward Citizens Brigade. She was already pursuing improv. I was always like, my goal and dream is to be in Three Sisters Off-Broadway. Like, that's all I can, that's as far as I can see. And so I really credit her to kind of pushing me and um, taking me with her in many ways. Mm -hmm. And so she was the one who really introduced me to UCB. And she was the one who was like, I. she had her eye on SNL, sketch comedy, like that whole track. And I was just like... Um, I thought it was fun, but it took me a little while longer to get into it or realize how actually, how much agency it gave us over our careers and what, you know, we started writing together and what a powerful thing it was. But mm-hmm. ultimately, um, you know, I just found people who, who, found other people who I thought were really funny and right. tried to work with them. <laughs> so here's the thing. One of the first projects, big projects you two did together was doing the screenplay for Bride Wars, right? That's right. right. Okay, which I, because I was excited to interview you, I rewatched it last night before bed. Oh my God, you were the mean re-gifter. Of course I was. was. crying. So here's the thing though, there are so few, I, I watched it and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I remember seeing it in the movie theater. It came out right when I had gotten to the White House. Oh, and wow. we would do anything to just, we loved going to the movies because it was just the two hours of peace of that course. we would get. Yes. And so I watched it and there are just so few movies like that now. Like, where uh, are the female buddy uh, rom-coms? Listen, can we get listen. them back? Yeah, we can, actually. Um, It's so hard. I don't really know how to answer that because, like, the film and TV industry is in such a state right now that Mm -hmm. I don't don't know where it's all going to, like— Net out? Yeah, I really don't. But, but yes, we can. Yes, there's an interest in it. Um, And I think that there—you know, actually, I will just plug Scrambled, which I have such a small part in the fact that I'm even— but I, I watched I, it. I really like that movie. And I feel like they're I'm so proud of Leah McKendrick because she's a star of it, writer, director. And she got a theatrical release. And that's so mm-hmm. rare and that's so hard. And there's such an appetite. And uh, you know, it's funny, like I women go to the movies and we wanna see our stories told. I remember when Casey and I were writing Bride Wars and being told by the studios. Not the studio that we wrote Bride Wars for, but just at that point when we were writing and rewriting features, we did a lot of rewrites on features that were at different studios and would come in and punch it up or whatever. And the over the the mindset then, which shook me to my core and still does, was that when they're creating and investing, you know, fifty million dollars, thirty million dollars, whatever, into a movie. And they're looking at their the audience who's going to go see it and make their money back. 
women will watch movies about women, mm-hmm. but they'll also watch movies about men. Mm-hmm. And they'll also follow male stories. But the opposite isn't true. Mm-hmm. And that scares me. <laughs> you know, and that was so, I'll never forget it when I heard that. Like, oh, well, men won't, they won't follow women's stories. Not interested in the narratives. Not interested in, like, learning about humanity. And um, and I think there's still real remnants of that, which is, like, mm-hmm. it's considered a niche market. It's wow. a, It's... It's not great. And now I think that's changing, and I'm actually an optimist at heart. I do think that's changing. I think Barbie showed that. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of reasons that's changing. I think generationally it's absolutely going to change. I mean, I I have two sons who who watched Barbie and and are obsessed with it. (laughs) Obsessed. So That's amazing. Yeah, I really think that that's going to be a remnant at some point, but I just don't Mm -hmm. think we're there yet. Not there yet. Not there yet. But— Comedy shows. Let's talk about this for a second. So TV's many a great listeners, space for women. TV, and you have occupied some great space over the past couple of years. So many listeners will know you from playing Brianna Hansen on Grace and Frankie. So there's like a through line in a lot of your characters, but I am curious what about the character of Brianna made you scream yes? Well, oh gosh. So I had just had my first child when I auditioned mm-hmm. for that role. I, I, It was one of the first times I left the house. I mean, wow. and that's not an exaggeration because I wasn't auditioning for anything, but my agent wrote me and was like, this is special. Will you go in for it? And I was like, absolutely. And I think sometimes it's a telltale sign when you, as an actor, at least for me, when you can um, memorize the lines very quickly. <laughs> like, it's not a jump. It's not a leap. And, right. And I worked on the scene for... I. Not a long time. And I just was like, oh, I know her so well. And that was it. It was, that was it. Wow. And so I went in, I did the scene, I came out, and then I got the call very soon after. And it was like, it was like that, where it just was, it was easy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing that I love about Brianna, and a lot of people, I think, when they meet me, are like, oh my God, you're nothing like her. And I'm, and I'm not, but I have access to her, you know, yep. and not to get too actory, but but there's that thing of like, oh, one of the coolest things about being an actor is that you get real compassion for people and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, everybody's capable of everything, the best and the worst. Right. And so, you know. You really get a lot. F- well, a lot of your characters are a little bit that way. It's like I want to say they're like morally ambiguous, sure, but it's sure. not. They're more like very honest. <laughs> yes, and I, I, what I so appreciate about Brown is I was stepping into such a wild time in my own life, and also working with such icons and people I respected so much that I was able to wear like her confidence, even mm-hmm. if I didn't have it myself, and so it was. It was such a gift to, you know, and I, I, God, I just, I love women who are wrong in the head. And I love, (laughs) I really do. I love, um, like, demented women. And I love women who are bold and step out. I think that we still have such rigid ideas about how women should behave, mm-hmm. you know, and how they should sort of calibrate in the world. And so it is 
when I get to play someone who's, and I've been really lucky because those are the roles I'm drawn to. I mean, for a while in my career, I was getting offered like the role of this, the wife on sitcoms who's mm-hmm. like, oh my God. I used to call her, like, Casey and I used to call that role the comedy killer. Who'd come <laughs> in and be like, guys, don't be so crazy. Like, my husband, like, don't act like that. Like, you're being really nuts. And it was just, I wanted to be nuts. You know, I wanted the right. jokes. I wanted to be wrong. And and I wanted the jokes. I wanted to, to, to do the comedy. Right. So... That was really important to me, and and I'm so glad I sidestepped that because I think it's a real trap. And, um, yeah, so I do gravitate for sure to women who are, you know, stepping outside of, like, that, those parameters, the social kind of cultural parameters that we are placed in and then sometimes we uphold and all of it. I... I find it to be really fun, and I, I I learn a lot from it about myself. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm drawn to those ladies. Speaking of ladies, <laughs> you have worked with Jane Fonda, mm-hmm. Lily Tomlin. You worked alongside Julie Louis Dreyfus in Veep, my favorite horny painter. <laughs> um, and you know, Julie Louis has a has a podcast that yeah. I love called Wiser Than Me. So good, and it's so good. So and good. I have learned so much from it, and yes. I found it to be very powerful. Yes. And I am curious if, like, from them, what have you what mm. have you learned? What have you like like taken away yeah. from your experiences with them? <sighs> Well, first of all, I think the most powerful thing for me to to walk away with is the idea that um, women, we can reframe what it means to get older. Mm-hmm. Um, we can create a story that's, I mean, I think the our culture would like love us to believe that we just will continue to lose from here on out. Mm-hmm. Lose income, lose power, lose our sexuality, lose, you know, our currency in the world. And what I've really learned and what I think is so, it's what to me was so incredible about Grace and Frankie, which is it proposes that we might actually have more. We might have more to say. We might have more to do. We might have more investment in in the world and wanting to leave it better than we found it. We might you know, create structures that are that are different, family mm-hmm. structures that are different. I mean, Golden Girls was my favorite show growing up. So this is actually not Such entirely, a good there's a through line here, <laughs> you know, from Golden Girls to Grace and Frankie. But um, I really do think that, that that has been really important to me. And I'm excited about it. You know, I'm excited to risk more as they do, as Jane and mm-hmm. Lily and Julia do, to be more vulnerable, to be more committed. Um, you know, Jane is <laughs> Jane is <laughs> something else. And what I admire the most about her, I actually saw this in my own mom too during her life, which is the commitment to learning. Mm-hmm. Um and spending her of herself, uh, spending her privilege, which my God, she does. But the commitment to to learning and to offering, 
Mm-hmm. And it's not a stopping. It's not a, like, uh, it's not a retirement. It is, it's a double, it's a double downing of, mm-hmm. of her, herself. And that's been a really, she's been such a strong role model for me for that reason. And also she doesn't suffer fools. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's been important for me to be around her to see how she navigates the world because um, she's been the object of sexual desire and so much hate still mm-hmm. is, you mm-hmm. know, and how she kind of finds her, her center and all that is really beautiful to me. Um, and I'm just so, I feel so incredibly grateful to have, you know, these incredible, and also as artists, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, f- I do find that as I get older, and certainly this is true of them, that we have more to say. <laughs> like, not we have more to kind of share, and right. we have access to more. And um, you know, I find sort of the the kind of the female artist to be a really interesting. I don't know, to be an interesting character. And they've reframed it for me that, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think that actresses get such a bad rap for being, like, selfish and vain and all this stuff. And, like, listen, there's, there's, it's not that that's not a part of it. But when I've worked with Lily and Jane, all they're interested in <laughs> is telling the truth and sharing and risking. And it's... It's very, very powerful to see. Um, and that's, you know, I've had, in my own work, I feel like I've had glimpses of what that feels like, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm not there and I want to, but, I, but I'm so happy to have them because they get me closer to it and I've seen a standard of, of you know, performance that I will never f- forget and is now like, a, it's my standard, even though I don't always make it there. Um, it's very cool. That's very cool. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm serious. That is like, I mean, to just be around, I think that there is something incredibly special about being around people who are special and yeah. you know it at the time and you're able to not let the moment pass you by. You can kind of just like soak it all in. Yeah. You know? Right. Um now we're gonna go like super lowbrow now, though. Oh, Are you ready? I've, okay. I've been so, ready. No, and and by the way, I'm not about to call your podcast lowbrow. But but it, no, it is. Come no, the, so the deep dive with Jessica St. Clair, another Veep alum, the Pecorino yes. queen. Um, yes. You should know that when I cannot sleep, which is always because I'm perimenopausal, all I do Same. is watch Veep. So I know way too much. Um, but show. do I remember your podcast runs the gamut? Do I remember you guys talking about sister wives? Of course. Okay, great. So here's my question. I'm obsessed. I've watched every episode. Who's your fave? My favorite wife, Janelle. Yeah. Janelle, right? We would be friends with Janelle. A like, thousand. I feel I am. But a thousand. Percent. I do too. Janelle is everything. She's everything. She's everything to me. Do you and know we call we call Robin Sobbin because she's always sobbing. Sobbing Robin. Sobbing Robin. Sobbing Robin. And it's so hard because I actually did spend some time defending Robin. And now I'm like. No, in this last uh, season, especially like Sister Wives Talk Back, there is no way you can defend her. There's just no way. And um, Janelle, though, is a very special person. Janelle is 
a feminist hero to me. Icon. Feminist icon. Truly. And Janelle, like, what I love about her, and for those who don't know, you know, Janelle was married to a man named Cody, who's the second the wife. Who's He's the, the worst. worst. And there were two other wives after she entered the picture. But Janelle had a gaggle of children, and what I love about her is how honest she is about really— I mean, I guess there was a religious component, but she has hacked the system. Most Absolutely. women are like, how— you know, that the infrastructure of of working and pursuing your career and having children just doesn't work. We have no federal, it, you know, the government's not going to subsidize it. And it, it is true. It doesn't work. But Janelle figured it out. She got it all done. She got it all done. She had another wife, third wife, Christine, of course, took care of the children during the day. And then they she, were true you know, partners. Tr- true again, partners. I've never seen a structure. The re-envisioning, and that's why I encourage people to watch it, because it sounds so oppressive, the circumstances. But what I so love about it is it's actually like a radical re-envisioning of how we might do things in a communal setting. That's what I think. It is the blueprint for the female commune. Right? Do we all have to fuck Cody Brown? Yes. Please, no. He's (laughs) so— trade-off. So there are some adjustments I would make, but there are, it's a system that, god damn it, it worked for Janelle. She she is just watching her now and she's got like her new hair. You know what I mean? I find and she's to be just so thriving. She's beautiful. Gorgeous. Old-timey And like, her kids love looks. her. She, she is. She's a dame. That yes. is, she's Dame Janelle. Yeah, Thank no. you. I had. To, I have to tell you, there was no way I couldn't ask you about so this because did. she is my. I will rewatch like her best episodes because I just think that she. I like root for her. I'm like, girl, you gotta leave him. No, you can't go back to him. No, there's nothing he I can know. do. When he took her out in the fancy sports car to the res- the restaurant where scene. he's like, I got us a reservation. What's the one place you'd want to go? And it's like, Cody, she's your fucking wife. What are you? A- what sort of accolades are you asking for here? And she was just like, okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to hold his hand, though. I was like, yes. Oh, my God. Well, someone said to me, and I don't know if this is season 17 right now or 16. I can't remember. It's 18. It's 18. 18. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. You're welcome. So someone said to me about season 17, because this is, for those who don't know, when everything fucking (laughs) fell apart. But someone said, like, we, we, season one through 16 walked. So season 17 (laughs) could run. run. And season 18 (laughs) is flying. And it's like so true. Like we've literally invested in watching paint dry on a wall watching this show. (laughs) And now we're getting the payoff. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. Like so thrilling. I've I got my sister into it, um, and she watches it, and we will FaceTime to break it down after we see it. It's so good. And it is so good. I mean, she will text me, tell me when you've watched. I have so much to say. <laughs> well, also, like this season when Janelle, I'm sure you remember the scene when Janelle was in that tiny apartment. Boy, do I want her to settle down in a house. But when Janelle oh, was in that tiny Oh, she needs a proper environment. <laughs> she does. And Cody and her got into a fight. <gasps> and she said, you get the fuck back here. <laughs> and he's like, you. I have nothing to say to you. I no. mean, he is... It was the greatest television escalation I've ever seen. Save. 
And, you know, right? again, for people who haven't seen it, we've never heard these people curse in 16 Ever. seasons. 16 Everything seasons has been was them going and- to the grocery store, stocking up the, like, fallout shelter food pantries that they have. <laughs> that's it. They are doomsday preppers. Yeah, that's it. And now <laughs> that's it. this, to uncover what's been underneath it. Before we go... You know, on this podcast, we love to talk politics. And you co-wrote the very positively reviewed book on Amazon, blurbed <laughs> by Hillary Clinton, called Represent the Women's Guide to Running for Office and Changing the World mm-hmm. with Kate Black, who is formerly at Emily's List. So right now, I mean, look, the world's a bit of a dumpster fire. But who are the women in office that you look at and you're like, yes, more, please? Well, you know, there's so many people, like, I feel like the federal government gets so much airtime. And so, like, there are people, of course, I could talk about, but I, and and this is a, a, a big part of the book, which is, like, all of the other seats that are available and that one mm-hmm. might, you know, consider. And I will say that there are some uh, council members, city council members in Los Angeles that I'm really excited. Nithin mm. Raman, uh, yeah. Eunices Hernandez that are real progressive voices that I'm, and I, I loved, and, and Nithya is up for re-election right now, but I loved how not only they ran their campaigns, but what they've been up to and mm-hmm. how steady they've been. Um, and they're changing, they're changing what the city council looks like in Los Angeles. And again, you know, we have a city strong council, weak mayor system, and the power that is here in Los Angeles and the power that these seats hold is so huge. And then, of course, it's like, well, Los Angeles is a model city for the rest of the country. And so right. what happens here is going to impact other places. So to me, I've, those those are some of the women I've been most excited about. And because I see sort of, I see how they've been doing it and I see how committed they are to their progressive ideals and holding on to them and working still within a really difficult system. Um, And I'm just feeling really proud to have supported them and continue to do so. June, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on Hysteria. Listeners, you can find June's podcast, The Deep Dive, wherever you get your pods. And tickets for her show, How Did This Get Made, are on sale now. All right, and that is just about all the time we have. But before we go, we have some announcements for the class. It's all hands on deck this election year. We're even putting kids to work, not in the terrifying way that some Republicans who miss Victorian England want to put kids to work. We're like in my home state, Wisconsin, where <laughs> oh. 14-year-olds can now serve <laughs> But in a fun way, with merch. Pick up brand new I Can't Vote But You Can onesies and toddler tees for all the kids in your life. There's no better reminder of what's at stake than a baby who might not be able to vote when they turn 18 because our country elected a lunatic obsessed with ketchup and fascism. Shop all the Crooked Kids merch, including Read Me a Band book onesies and Bros for Row onesies right now at the Crooked store. Head to crooked.com slash store to shop. We also have a listener shout out. You all know we love you so much. We think you are the best listeners of any ever, podcast. Ever. You're smarter. You're nicer. You're cooler. You let us know when something's on your mind. 
You're just the best. Um, and so we wanted to shout out one of our listeners. We got an email that says, longtime listener, writing to thank you for having Representative Anna Eskamani on the pod. She was on a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. She's a representative from Florida. She's a glimmer of hope from our otherwise typically bleak legislature. We need all the help we can get in Florida, so thank you for drawing attention to the ballot initiative. That would be such an important step in the right direction after years of Republican overreach and malevolence. Side note, check out St. Pete. It rules. We're beautiful, artsy, blue city that DeSantis came can't stand, all because we hated him first. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. Love and appreciate you both. I have never been to St. Pete. And Me I neither, but I check it noted, out. Noted. Noted. All right. That's all the time we have. Thank you to June Diane Raphael and Congresswoman Judy Chu and Alyssa. Thank you for being my ride or die as Forever. always. Listeners, if you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com and there will be more hysteria for you next week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. Subscribe to Hysteria on YouTube for access to video versions of your favorite segments and other exclusive content. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a nice review. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. We get audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okolate, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.